The Isle of Og, written and narrated by Michael Tippetts. Later, Ermo made his way back to see the owl. This time, the night was warm and the sky clear. The journey to Solly's, although still long, was pleasant and for the most part uneventful. But oddly, Ermo's enthusiasm over the past week had cooled. Surprisingly, he'd found himself only half hoping that the owl would have a solution for his light. Ermo was beginning to have doubts. A feeling of Something not quite right? A nagging worry he couldn't explain. But Ermo buried these thoughts with reason. Solly's a wise and gentle owl who'd shown him nothing but kindness. So it was only polite that he should keep his appointment, even if he did nothing other than listen to just what Solly had to say. Upon approaching Solly's cypress tree, he got an unexpected reception. A pair of magpies appeared on either side of him, providing him with an escort. Ermo, perturbed by their sudden appearance, attempted to communicate, but both birds remained mute, showing no interest in acknowledging any of his greetings. It was only when he arrived at the base of Solly's tree was he spoken to. One of the magpies inquired bluntly, Here, what's your name and what's your business here? Telling them his name, while handing over his appointment card, he explained that he was here to see Solly, who was expecting him. Examining it, the magpie said nothing. Ermo, feeling increasingly uncomfortable, wondered if he'd done something wrong. Is there a problem? he inquired politely. After a long pause, staring at him without blinking, the magpie handed back the card and said, No. Not unless you become one. Nodding to the other magpie to open the door to the owl's tree, he said, Go on up. When you get to the top, be sure to report to the receptionist. With that, the magpie forced a frightening smile. Ermo could see that being friendly wasn't something that came easily to the magpies. Climbing the stairs, Ermo glanced briefly back to see their beady eyes still watching him. Quickening his pace, he ascended the spiralling stairs to arrive at the familiar hollowed-out reception area. This time, the room was full and a genial hubbub came from the animals sat waiting. Hesitantly moving through them, Ermo spied Solly standing behind a large reception desk. The owl was in deep discussion with two large black rooks. Upon seeing him, Ermo abruptly stopped his conversation. Initially surprised, the owl then smiled and beckoned vigorously to Ermo while saying loudly to the rooks, Excuse me, but we'll have to finish this at a later date. Book another appointment with my secretary, will you? Solly, full of welcoming smiles, rushed over, shaking Ermo warmly by the hand. The rooks didn't move or say anything. Unnervingly, just as the magpies had done, 
They silently watched on. Ermo, Ermo, w- welcome, my boy. Oh, you're, you're a bit early, but it's good to see you, though. Good to see you. Come on through into my office, mm-hmm, said Solly enthusiastically. Even from behind, Ermo could feel the rook's eyes as they trapped him, drinking in his every feature. Solly, showing little regard for any of the waiting animals, quickly ushered Ermo through into his surgery, saying cheerfully, My dear fellow, how are you? It's so good to see you again, my boy. How was your journey this time? Not too long or tiring, I hope. I sent out two of my best magpies to watch out for you, to ensure you arrived safely. Oh, yes, didn't want you getting lost again. Did they find you all right? Ermo nodded. Oh, oh, yeah, I see. Yes, they did, but it was much easier... Solly quickly interrupted him. Good, good, my boy, good. Now, can I get you anything? You must be hungry, having come all that way. Oh, but I am pleased to see you, and you're looking so well. Not so cold and wet tonight, hey? (laughs) Yes, yes, well. Now, what can I get you? A biscuit, perhaps? Or how about a blackberry jam sandwich? They're very good, you know. I do love blackberries, my little weakness. <laughs> but I always find they help me to think. The problem is, I just can't have one, said the owl, patting his large stomach. Well, uh, a small drink would be nice, said Ermo. A drink? Oh, of course, my boy. How about, how about some fresh apple juice? Apple juice? I don't think I've ever tried it, but if you're having some, said Ermo politely. What? Not have apple juice? Ho, 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 well then, my boy, you're in for a treat. Solly went to the door and called, Patoo, Patoo. A rather boozy-looking, wide-mouthed bird with bulging yellow eyes staggered in. Slurring his words, he said boldly, Somebody call. <laughs> what do you want, four eyes? To which he laughed raucously. Patu was a frogmouth bird, and as the name suggests, he had a large bullfrog-like mouth with a small hooked beak. But this wasn't his most noticeable feature, as he also had large bulging yellow eyes, which seemed to move independently of each other, making them appear almost boss-eyed. Pupils in most eyes will either contract or expand together, according to the surrounding levels of light. However, Patus did this independently, so one was always significantly larger than the other. This made it even more difficult to judge who he was talking to, or even what he was looking at. Ignoring the bird's rudeness, Solly replied, Ah, Patu, would you be so kind as to get my guest here, a beaker of your finest apple juice. <laughs> Okie dokie, four eyes, <laughs> said the frogmouth bird, laughing as he swaggered off across the room. Oh, and, uh, oh, uh, Patu, I'll have one as well, while you're at it. The frogmouth bird turned briefly back to Solly and said in a drunken fashion, Yeah, what a good idea. (laughs) No, 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 it's not a good idea. It's a great idea. (laughs) Now I see why they put you in charge. 
Biggie Four Eyes. <laughs> Roaring with laughter, he stumbled, but quickly recovering his step, he continued on. So that's one for Solly, and one for his little fire spite friend. I mean, um, uh, fire split friend. I mean, <laughs> fire split. Oh, old Biggie Four Eyes, mate, over there. Him, him. The one with a big light in his bum. <laughs> Said Patu pointing at Irmo. Arriving at the double doors to the veranda, Patu turned and said, And just the teeny, eeny, witticious of ones for me. Well, wouldn't be polite not to. <laughs> Solly's glazed office doors were open and the heavy drapes that had previously covered them were drawn back, revealing a large balcony. This was Solly's private veranda, hidden high up amongst the treetops foliage. Unsteady on his feet, using all of his concentration, the frogmouthed bird stepped out onto the open moonlit deck. Silhouetted by the half-moon, he took to the air and flew off, only to quickly fly back the other way, calling out, No, 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 it's not that way. <laughs> That's the wrong way. You don't want to go that way. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. This is the right way. Solly, looking apologetic, said, But who's my uh, brother-in-law? And, well, he just knows where all the best apples are, and he really, really does make, you know, the best apple juice. Feeling awkward, Ermo just nodded. <coughs> well, now, now, back to matters of importance. Your tale, said Solly, with a renewed air of authority. I have um, some great news. <laughs> yes, you'll be pleased to know I've given it much thought and investigation since you were last here. And I'm really happy to report that it is indeed possible to change your light. Ermo smiled awkwardly. We can also reduce its output to more normal levels of luminosity, which is good news. But in order to do this, You'll need to visit a luminary. Ah, yes, a recognised expert in light. Luckily, there's a very good one I know who's the sage of Bogomil. He lives on a hill perched just outside of the city. Oh, good. That's great, said Ermo, genuinely surprised by what he was hearing. Not only is he a luminist, but by all accounts he's a lovely fellow. Sam is well-versed in all the aspects of light. He possesses the rare ability to modify and manipulate all light forms to make them either brighter or, as in your case, dimmer and more yellow. I've spoken to him and he is willing to do this for you for free. How about that? said Solly cheerfully. Then putting his wing around Ermo. Like a teacher with his favourite student, Solly paced him up and down the room as he continued to talk. So it's with my personal backing and recommendation that Sam is willing to help. So in return, all I ask is that you listen to what he says and follow his every instruction. Ermo nodded respectfully. He will take you through everything, step by step, from initiation right way through to the process of re-enlightenment, <laughs> as that's what he likes to call it. 
I can guarantee by the end of it, your light will appear normal. Then, once you're done, you'll be just like one of us, eh? <laughs> Is all that clear? Ermo frowned and nodded as the owl spoke, not quite understanding what Solly was saying, but he didn't want to appear rude or ungrateful. So after the owl had finished, he said, Just so I fully understand, Solly, what you're saying is, is that this friend of yours... Sam, interjected Solly. Yes, Sam, said Ermo, repeating his name. This Sam chap says he can reduce the light in my tail and change its colour so as to make it appear normal? Too right, my boy. That's good news, isn't it? replied Solly eagerly, who, without waiting for a response, continued, So I've taken the liberty of setting up a meeting for you to see him. (coughs) Ermo, still a little baffled, tried to take a step back in the conversation. So what exactly does it entail? This process of re-enlightenment, I mean, what would I have to do? Good question, my boy. Yes, very good question. I can see you're thinking ahead, and that's good. That's just the sort of thing that makes Sam's job so much easier. (laughs) It was then that Patu arrived back, landing in a heap on the balcony, carrying what appeared to be a tray of wooden beakers. Somehow, the frogmouth bird, even while staggering around, managed to hold the tray steady without spillage or loss. Picking himself up and holding it out, Batu announced loudly and in even more drunken fashion, I'm back, I'm back everybody, I'm back. And don't worry, don't panic, I'm back, I'm back with the apple juice. And woohoo, is it good? Oh yes, it's good. So very, very good. Extracting one of the wooden beakers from the whole punctured tray, he pulled off its leaf lid and handed it to Solly, making a loud ta-da sound. Solly looked at the beaker and its emptied contents. When Patu realised there was actually nothing in it, he quickly took it off him. Oops. <laughs> that one's mine, he whispered loudly to Ermo. I've already drunk that one (laughs) on the way here. But don't tell old Specky that. Still giggling, Patu picked up another beaker and announced, No, 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 not that one. This one's yours, silly. This time, the beaker was full. Patu then carefully poured its contents into the first cup and handed the now empty beaker to Solly saying, there, that's yours. Go on, go on, take it. (laughs) This one's mine, and that one's all yours. Patu quickly drained the contents of his now refilled beaker, finishing it with a long burp. He then looked to Solly, who was examining the contents of his now empty beaker. Wow, you drank that quick, Solly Mel, mate. Hold up. (laughs) How easy, 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 or it goes straight to your head. Turning to Ermo, he whispered, See, (laughs) see, he's not as clever as everyone says he is, otherwise he would have known that. Patu, 
then looked at Ermo and handed him his emptied beaker. But quickly taking it back, he said, Oops, <laughs> nearly did it again. That's not yours. That's mine. Naughty, naughty, naughty. <laughs> I see I'm going to have to watch you, you scamp. Disapprovingly shaking his finger at Ermo. Picking up the final beaker, Ermo watched as he took the top off and drank it down in one lung gulp, after which Batu burped again, causing his eyes to bulge. Then, handing the now-emptied cup to Ermo, he said, There you are. <laughs> That's yours, you little rascal. <laughs> Trying to trick me, huh? Turning to leave, Batu tripped on the steps and nearly fell his head swivelling around like an owl's. He smiled at Ermo with a wide grin. <laughs> I enjoyed my trip so much, I'll probably go there again. <laughs> to which he laughed raucously. While looking back at Ermo, the two staggered out onto the balcony. Wow, thirsty work, delivering this apple juice malarkey. Ermo tried to warn him, but it was too late. The frogmouthed bird, with another loud burp, stepped off the edge of the balcony and abruptly disappeared from sight. Worried, Ermo rushed over to the spot where Patu had been and peered over the edge, searching below, but the frogmouthed bird was nowhere to be seen. Solly, unconcerned, carried on the conversation with Ermo. Oh, well, my boy, we must get you off and on your way to Sam's before it gets too late. Ermo looked at his emptied cup, then over to where Patu had disappeared. Not having fully taken in what the owl said, baffled by the absurdity of Patu, he replied, Sorry? Go where? To uh, Sam's, of course, my boy, replied Solly. To Sam's? What now? exclaimed Ermo. Yes, 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 my boy, you need to go now. Sam's an important snake in Bogomil, for it's him who looks after the needs of the city, just as I do for the forest, so it's best not to keep him waiting any longer than is absolutely necessary. So let's not dilly-dally then. Strike while the iron's hot. Sam will fill you in on all the details and will answer any questions you might have. You see, Sam is mainly diurnal. That means he's a daytime animal, so you'll need to visit him in the daylight. Bogomil is west of here. If you set off now, you should be there in oh, a couple of nights. Yes, I'll give you directions, a map, plus any provisions you might need. But you'll have to be careful, though, as there are certain dangers you might encounter, which I'll need to fill you in on. Wait here. With that, the owl rushed from his office, quickly returning with a rucksack and his arms filled with odd-looking pouches. Ushering Ermo over to his desk, he spread out the large hall and started stuffing the packets into the rucksack while still talking. Oh, I'm giving you a map with precise directions on it in case you lose your way. He opened the map and said, It's been uh, drawn with light-sensitive ink, ink which only your light will reveal. Be sure not to show it to anyone else. As Ermo held his tail over the parchment, like magic, a map of the island appeared, with detailed directions to Sam's. Solly continued, Give this map to Sam on your arrival, uh, as he will need to see it. Ermo frowned, and wondered how Solly could have created such a map. 
But before he could ask, Solly had moved the conversation on. <coughs> I'm also supplying you with enough food and drink in various packets to last you a few nights, just in case. Once the owl had finished packing the bag, he took the somewhat dazed fire sprite out onto the balcony. Using the map with Ermo's light, he proceeded to point out directions and landmarks. The owl's tone then became serious, telling Ermo that flying during the day was dangerous, especially across the open fields and scrablands. But it was still safer than stopping anywhere for too long. Take only brief rests <laughs> at night. Uh, fly by the moonlight if you can, and don't use your tail unless you have to, as it'll attract them. Them? asked Ermo. Those who might not be so friendly. Like fowl, replied Solly, in a hushed whisper. Ermo looked worried. Fowl? Yes, fowl, said Solly, dramatically. They're the worst type of animal. It's as their name suggests, a once domesticated beast that have become the product of their breeding. Fowl are not like us, as they refuse our laws, preferring to live as outcasts in the scrublands between the forest and the city olive groves. All fowl are diurnals, and the truth is, they're the cause of most of the island's problems. Lawless animals bent on murder, destruction and mayhem. Shocking, I know, but I have to be plain, Ermo, if it's only for your own safety. Fowl are born liars, aggressive, ill-mannered creatures who hate all forest and city dwellers. It's these animals you must avoid at all costs. Looking gravely towards Ermo, he continued. Promise me, Ermo, that you'll stay away from fowl or any others who associate themselves with them. But why? Why do they hate us? asked Ermo, who looked worried. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's complicated, Ermo, but we're in the process of reclaiming the land, the land they stole from the borders of both the forest and the city. Ermo looked shocked. Chickens? Wow, who'd have thought it? Solly continued. Ermo, they're very convincing. Masters at spreading falsehoods and misinformation under a so-called banner of truth. They speak of freedom and love while only bringing chaos <laughs> and terror. You see, Omo, we rely upon the rule of law and not the law of the jungle. We believe in a new island order of forest and city for the protection of, yes, everyone and the greater good of all animal kind. <laughs> but this is not the way of the fowl. Oh, no. The owl repeated his dire warning, so as to give it even more emphasis. If you only remember one thing from our chat, Ermo, let it be, beware of fowl, for they are evil. What should I do if I meet one? Asked Ermo, horrified. At first, say nothing. Upon sight, Try to get away if you can. They're slow, weak-minded animals who will not pursue you. But remember, even to talk to them is dangerous, as they'll try to pollute your mind with all their nonsense. So, if you're near them, you must be always on your guard. Tell them nothing, and under no circumstances mention, well, me or Sam. Otherwise, they'll surely kill you. 
Solly could see this was having the effect he wanted. Let me uh, give you an escort to Sam's. Yes, yes, I'll get you the magpies. No, 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 said Ermo quickly. The thought of travelling with the two frightening magpies he'd met earlier was not something he even wanted to consider. Oh, are you sure, my boy? It would be safer. Let me call them. No, no, honestly, that's fine. Thank you, but I'd rather go on my own. That way, thought Ermo, if he changed his mind, he could return home any time he wanted. Well, if you're sure, said Solly, who eyed him cautiously, before saying, Yes, well, I suppose, as a lone fire sprite, you're more likely to pass unhindered. (laughs) Don't look so worried, my boy. As long as you do as I say and talk to no one on the way, I'm sure you'll be fine. But before Ermo could say anything more, Solly had put the backpack on him and bustled him out onto the edge of the balcony, where, with a simple shake of the hand, he wished the fire sprite a safe journey and stood back, ready to wave him off. Be uh, sure to visit me upon your return. (laughs) If it's just to show me your new light, (laughs) I would love to see it. Now, off you go, my boy. Off you go. At that moment... Ermo had never felt so lost and alone. He longed to be back with those in his village. As he took to the air, his wings felt leaden and slow. Looking back, he saw the waving owl, slowly circling Solly's tree to gain height. With a heavy feeling of trepidation, Ermo headed off towards the city of Bogomil. In his village, the fire sprites were settling down for bed. By an odd coincidence, at that exact time, his friends were all thinking of him, each momentarily lost in the silence of their own memories of Ermo, smiling to themselves as they thought of him and his truly wondrous light. (laughs) 